One of the most well-known and beloved works of French literature is Alexander Dumas' The Three Musketeers. The novel follows the adventures of three musketeers, Athos, Porthos, and Aramis, and the struggles of a young man named D'Artagnan as he tries to fulfill his life's goal of becoming a musketeer. Musketeers were elite soldiers, handpicked for their skill and bravery, and were responsible for protecting the king and his court against various enemies and conspiracies. Throughout the story, they were known by the motto they lived by, and I'm sure you've heard of this, all for one and one for all, which reflects their loyalty and commitment to each other as they vow to always stand together and support one another in their quest. The first part of the motto simply meant that they would all stand up for each other if one of them was in trouble. While the second part implied that they would all be prepared to put aside their individual goals and needs in order to work together to contribute towards the group's objective. Yes, individually they were strong, unique, and different, but collectively they were better together because they contributed to working together, relying on each other's strengths and abilities to overcome every obstacle they face and the many challenges and enemies that come along the way. All for one, one for all. Our text today, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 31, speaks about how God put different people together collectively as a church while also recognizing the diversity of its members individually, their unique gifts and roles, and how all of the members can work together to achieve a common goal. If you are quite familiar with the metaphors in the Bible that were used for the church, we are likened to a household because the church is a spiritual family where we call each other brothers and sisters. The church is also likened to a temple because uh, this is where the people meet God's presence, obviously. But in our text today, the Bible uses another picture of what the church is to be like. It is a human body to show how each member of the body is crucial for the whole body to function well. So that we can have a good understanding and a sound theology about who and what the church is collectively and how we can contribute individually to the growth of the church. You are not here by accident. You are seated because God purposefully brought you here today and He has a role for you in the church. So the big question is, how can you and I contribute to the growth of the church? I believe having a correct understanding of the church life and God's design for the church is crucial not only so that we can function according to God's design, but also crucial in how we see, how we relate, and how we interact with the other members in our church. In fact, the very reason why Paul had to teach the believers what the nature, nature of the church is was because even among church members, there can be a lot of quarrels, conflicts, divisions, disunity, immoralities, discrimination that disrupted the growth of the church, so much so that the church was no longer serving the purposes of God for them. And without a healthy understanding of what the church is and how we can contribute, we would be prone to repeat the errors and the mistakes of the church in Corinth. Isn't it true? The church is not perfect, definitely. We are not immune to conflicts, to disunity, to quarrels, to comparison, and so on. 
you also encounter those not only in the church but also outside the church, in your families, in your companies, in your workplaces, and so on. So what can we do so that we can contribute not to the detriment of our church but to its growth? What can you do as members of GCCP? So let's look at our text, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's begin with verses 12 to 13. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For us to be able to contribute, it is crucial for us to have a good foundation on God's design for us as His people. And we are to, number one, understand that God called us to belong to the body of Christ and to participate actively in the life of the church. The church grows when we are actively engaged in its life and in its ministries. Our active participation, whether through regularly attending worship services, participating in life groups and other ministries, inviting others to join the community, will help create a vibrant and welcoming environment where people can experience God's love and grace through the church. Paul begins by saying that just as the human body has many members that work together, so too does the church have many different members who have different gifts, talents, and backgrounds, but all belong to the same one body. The emphasis here is on how we, though many, belong to the same body. Notice how Paul also emphasizes one body. He mentions it six to seven times alone in these two verses. Regardless of our size and how many we are and the differences in it, we all belong to the same one body, the church. Universally, of course, and locally, the application here is to us, the body of Christ, not the building, but the people, the community of believers here in GCCP. Also notice that we are not just one body, but we are the body of Christ here on earth. And this body, the church, is the representation of Christ. Because His body is in heaven, we are His body symbolically here on earth. And so there is that great responsibility for us to represent Christ well in how you and I interact and function as a church. Remember in Acts chapter 9, when Paul was persecuting the church, he was blinded by a bright light and Jesus showed up, identified himself and said to Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus says, I am Christ, the one you are persecuting. So how could Saul do that when the body of Christ, when the body of Jesus wasn't here on earth? There is a great implication in that and it shows how the church body is tightly identified with our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. In effect, what you do to the church is really what you are doing to Christ and how you treat the church is actually how you treat the Lord Jesus Christ because we are the body of Christ here on earth. If we are like Saul, persecuting the church, we are persecuting Christ. If we value the church, we value Christ. If we give less importance to the church, we give less importance to Christ. If we disrespect the church, we disrespect Christ. And if we protect the sanctity of our church, we protect Christ. 
Our attitude towards the church is our attitude towards Christ. And if you are familiar with the church in Corinth, there were a lot of issues and there were a lot of failings in properly representing the body of Christ. They were, there were divisions, treatment of other members was harsh, there were immoralities undealt with, discrimination, religious abuses, and so on. This ought not to be because if the church is the body of Christ, then what we do and how we treat the church is in effect what we do and how we treat Christ Himself. Because God called us to belong to the church, the body of Christ here on earth, our active participation is to love and honor the church the best way we can. As Billy Graham said, the church isn't just a particular building, it is a congregation, a spiritual fellowship of all those who belong to Jesus Christ. And the main feature of this church, the body of Christ, ought to be its unity. Paul says that the reason why we can be united, one body, is because we have a common denominator, a common experience in verse 13. Regardless of our background, no matter who you are, your gender, your social status, your color, your educational attainment, your profession or status in life, all of us have been equally forgiven, equally redeemed, equally saved only by God's grace. No one here came in better and more holy than the others. You may look better and holier, but all of us are sinners saved by grace, including myself. We were bought, brought together to be part of the church, a calling which is bigger than ourselves so that we can contribute in accomplishing the greater work that God is doing in and through the church. Notice God's design for all of us is to be members of the body, meaning to say our responsibility is to intentionally build healthy, Christ-centered relationships towards the other members of the body. God's design for you is for you to be a member of the church body, meaning to say as a member of the church body, you are not to live your faith in isolation. Separating yourself from the body and isolating yourself from other members of the faith is not a good thing. Because part of our calling and the beautiful thing about being a believer is for us to be active members in our church body that God has placed us in. To participate actively and to be part of something bigger than ourselves and to experience that rich church body life in it. You are here in this church not just to be seated here on a Sunday. God called you to be a member of the body and as such, you have a God-given purpose for why He brought you here today. You have a beautiful role to discover, to pray about, and to play in our church. If God called you and intentionally placed you as part of the body of Christ, then you must realize that in the church, it is no longer your personal goals, your plans, but our greater duty is to join and to help accomplish God's intentions and plans for His church. And we support. Our role does not stop when we attend. In fact, it is just the start so that we can contribute to what God is doing in and through the church. When I think about how God brought the church people together, one of the images that come to my mind is that of a construction site. I'm not an architect or engineer, but if you observe the construction sites where structures or buildings are being built, they would first clear the area 
dig a deep foundation, perhaps assemble the metal structure, pour cement to build a solid foundation. And then perhaps after they're done, you would notice how the construction supplies would start to come one by one to the construction site. Many different materials, wood, hollow blocks, sacks of cement will be gathered up, pipes, paint, beams, and so on. Where individually, each of these items have their own unique purpose. They have their own unique value, unique function, unique strength. And not until you put and assemble them together that you would get to see how each one can contribute to come up with a beautiful structure or form that they could make. Whether they end up being beautiful houses, cathedrals, impressive buildings, and so on. You know, there is a big difference with just gathering the materials in the same place and assembling them together to be what they could beautifully become. If you were to compare that to your church body life experience, are you here just like the gathered material? Individually, you are good, but are you plugged in, assembled together with others to contribute to what God is doing in and through the church? As someone brought by God to the church, the question for you to think about is, how are you treating the body of Christ? Are you intentionally building relationships with other members of the body? Have you found your place of purpose in the church? And are you participating actively and living according to your purpose in Christ? I became a Christian when I was 16 years old as I desired to know God more. I started not only to read the Bible, but to also go to church regularly. I remember how I would look forward to going to church every Sunday. I'd sleep early Saturday night because I was excited to wake up early the next day to go to church. I was growing in my walk with God that I valued God through the church so much. I remember at the start of every week, I would set aside part of my allowance and look forward to Sunday. When the offering bag was passed around, I'd be glad and thankful to drop something for the Lord. I remember whenever I had a new t-shirt, whether from my parents or a gift from, from family and relatives, I remember that the first time I would wear that t-shirt or pants would always be on a Sunday when I go to church, as if to say to the Lord, Lord, thank you for this t-shirt. I was growing in my walk with God and enjoying my personal church life during that time that I started to feel that longing to be actively involved in the church. Yes, I was attending and giving, but that was it. So I felt that there was something lacking. So I prayed to the Lord and was hoping that I'd get involved soon. And then one day, I saw the church announcement about uh, the church looking for volunteers. So even when I was unfamiliar with the church people, I had no background about what ministries are. I had no training whatsoever. I volunteered. And it was when I volunteered and got plugged into the church that I got to experience the joys of being connected to other believers and to understand that God intended me to live for a greater purpose, to love Him, to serve Him, and to contribute in accomplishing what He is doing in and through the church. Understand that God called us to belong to the body of Christ and to participate actively in the life of the church. Verses 14 to 18, For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, Because I am not 
a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as He pleased. Now in the church, though we are one body in Christ, we are also many members. Paul shifts from the church's unity as the body of Christ to now focus on the church's diversity and the value that each unique member brings in building up the body of Christ. Just as much as unity is crucial for the church, it is also equally important to recognize and value variety and diversity in the church body. And for us to contribute to the growth of the church, we need, number two, to recognize and appreciate that every member of the church body is valuable regardless of their roles and gifts. Look at how Paul emphasized in verse 14 onwards the importance of every member of the body of Christ, regardless of their individual gifts and roles. He used personification to explain that if the foot were to say that it does not belong to the body because it is not a hand, that would not make it any less part of the body. In other words, Paul is saying that every member of the church community is different from each other and that each one is equally valuable and necessary regardless of their specific gifts or roles. And just because each person has different gifts and talents, that does not mean that any one person is more important than another. The foot is not more important than the hand and the ear is not more important than the foot. Because if we, are, we start thinking that way, it can create division and hurt within the church. Instead, we need to recognize that we are all parts of the same body of Christ and each part is necessary for the whole body to function properly. Since the church is composed of a variety of different people, all called by God, we should be aware that there are, there are also church body diseases such as the disease of comparison and competition. In the church, it's easy to compare people who's good, who's better, who's more talented, who's more good-looking, and so on. But it's not about competing on com and comparing with others. But rather, we complement. We work together and cooperate. Not just in the church, but even in families, in relationships, you know, many lives are destroyed because of comparison and competition. It's a disease and it's not healthy. Because what happens every time we compete and compare ourselves against others, either envy or boastfulness sets in. Either we feel we or they are superior in our eyes and we are much more valuable and talented. And this may result in conflicts and discord inside the church. There were two volunteer coordinators in the church who loved to compare their volunteers. One day, they decided to compare their volunteers to different types of food. The first coordinator said, My volunteers are like pizza. Everyone loves them. They're easy to work with and they always deliver. The second coordinator chuckled and replied, Well, my volunteers are more like a salad. They may not be everyone's first choice, but they are healthy, dependable, and always bring something fresh to the table. 
Just then, a third coordinator overheard their conversation and chimed in. Gentlemen, you're both wrong. My volunteers are like a potluck. Perplexed, the other two coordinators asked, A potluck? How so? The third coordinator grinned and said, Well, everyone brings something different to the table, but when we all come together, we create a feast that's both delicious and diverse. We don't need to compare. We need to recognize that we are all part of the same team, and it is God's team working together for the same goal. We do not function independently. We work together. We cooperate using our gifts and talents to support and encourage one another so that we can achieve our God-given goals. In addition to comparison and competition, we should also be aware of the disease we call exclusion. Verse 15, Because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? What can damage churches, families, organizations, companies, even friendships is what we call exclusion. Just because they are different from you, they may be less gifted, they may have a different work style, that should not mean that they no longer have value or that they no longer belong to the community. In the body of Christ, there is this emphasis on inclusion and the importance of valuing and using gifts and contributions of each member of the church community, no matter how great and how small they are. Yes, we are different in many aspects, but actually, being different is a good thing. If everyone in the church community had the same gifts and held the same roles, if everyone were a foot or a hand, the church community would be incomplete and deficient in some areas. Just as a body needs all of its different parts to function properly, the church community needs all of its different members, each contributing in their own unique way in order to be a fully functional and healthy church community. When we understand verse 18, that it is God who has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as He pleased, we will realize that being a variety in the church is actually a great asset, a great strength, because you are able to see and do things from different perspectives. Even in marriage, in companies, in working teams, when you realize the value of having different skills and different gift sets from each other, it will enable you to accept and work together, and it will enable you to have a wider scope in your reach. In basketball, I realized that not everyone can be a scorer. We have different roles, but all focused on the same goal, and that's winning. In families, not everyone is a sweet, not everyone is an extrovert, not everyone is a good cook, not everyone have good grades, because we are all made differently. This is what Paul is saying here. Regardless of our age, our differences, our sex, our preferences, our maturity, we all belong to one body. And our differences should not prevent us from being united and useful in our Lord Jesus Christ. Here at our church, we try our best as much as we can. If people want to contribute to the growth of the church, 
we welcome them. Additionally, we should also be aware of the disease that destroys the church body and it is called pride. Pride expressed through superiority and inferiority complexes in the church body. Verse 21, And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Superiority complex is pride, thinking that you are better and more important than others. While it is normal to think that people need you, but it takes spiritual maturity and humility to recognize that you need others and that those who do the small, insignificant things are equally important in the church body. On the other hand, inferiority complex, the thinking that I have nothing to contribute to the church, I am just a normal human being, I have nothing, I know nothing, Paul says, no, look at verse 22. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. What does this mean in the church? Paul says that even those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. They are also essential. This means that even those who might be seen as less important or less powerful in the eyes of the world are just as important and necessary as those who are more powerful and more prominent. There are those parts of the body that are unpresentable, meaning they are unseen to the eyes of others, and there are those that are seen or are presentable. Because in the church, some roles are prominent or public, like speaking, like singing, like leading a small group. But some are also unseen, the background work or the backstage work or the dirty work. But regardless, all of it are equally important. We won't be able to do ministries without those serving behind the scenes. They too should be honored, not because they are deserving of it, but because we recognize that it is God who placed them in the church for that purpose and what they do is crucial in the life of the church. In all the churches that I've been to since I was a Bible school student, those who work in the background, such as the tech team, the maintenance team, the setup crew, they were very crucial in the function of the church. And for those who are camera shy in our congregation, we, in our church, we also have ministries that work in the background. And one way that we can promote unity within the body of Christ is not by comparing and competing, not by exclusion, not by feeling superior or inferior, but according to verse 25, it is by being united together and encouraging and caring for one another. When we take time to recognize and affirm the gifts and talents of others, we create an encouraging culture of unity and mutual care and support and respect for each other. At GCCP, this is the culture that we want to cultivate. Mutual care. Not just to the pastor, not just to those who are close to you or to your friends, but we are to show the same care to every member of our church even to those who you do not like or you hate. It should not matter what skills you have or how much money you have. We can work and serve together and care for each other to accomplish God's purposes in our church. And what I like about our church is that there is always room for those who are low-key, unpopular, new, unknown, to serve in their God-given capacities. 
And because there are different types of people and a diversity of gifts and personalities, it is also a blessing because it, it can enable us to care and to reach many more individuals for God. Even in our families, our companies, when you are able to recognize that every member of the, the body is valuable regardless of their roles and gifts and uniqueness, when there is mutual care, it naturally fosters unity and it creates an environment where everyone is valued and appreciated. There was a story of a church that struggled with respecting everyone in the body regardless of their roles. But one member of the congregation, let's name her Sally, decided to make a change. Sally was a busy person and didn't have much time to volunteer in the church. But she wanted to contribute in some way. So she made a goal to show respect to everyone she encountered in the church, no matter their role. One Sunday, Sally arrived at church and greeted the greeter at the door with a warm smile and a thank you. She took a seat and smiled at the person next to her, even though she didn't know them. During the service, Sally participated attentively to the worship team and the pastor, clapping and nodding along. After the service, she stopped to say thank you to the tech team, to the sound team, and to the ushers at the back. As Sally walked out of the church, she felt a sense of accomplishment. She may not have contributed in a traditional sense or by serving, but by showing respect and appreciation to everyone in the church, she had made a small but significant contribution. And who knows, maybe her actions inspired someone else to do the same. Sally realized that when we respect everyone in the church, regardless of their roles, we are contributing to a positive and supportive church community that benefits everyone. Recognize and appreciate that every member of the church body is valuable regardless of their roles and gifts. Verse 27, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually, and God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, Helps, administrations, variety of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, do all have gifts of healings, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Lastly, we can contribute to the church when we, number three, love and care for others by serving passionately and supporting one another for God's glory and for the people's edification. Serving and showing love towards one another can create a healthy and unified church environment that promotes growth. This means that we are to willingly serve in roles that may not be as glamorous or prestigious, but are necessary for the sake of others and for the overall health and function of the church. Paul highlights the interconnectedness and interdependence of all members of the body of Christ. He points out that not everyone has the same gift sets and that there is that diversity of gifts that exists within the church. Some are pastors, some are teachers, some are, some are helpers, some are administrators, and so on. Notice how Paul puts the spectacular gifts 
together with those uh, that we would say are ordinary, such as helps and administration. Because each gift is given by the Spirit of God, not for self-praise, but for the common good of the church. And each member should use their gifts in service to one another and to further the kingdom of God. What is important to know is that God has appointed you as a member. Each one is a part of the church, including you. Wherever you are, whatever spiritual gift you have, it is God who placed you here, and He has gifted you with something to give you an opportunity to make a contribution to the church. So you are to use it. In our church, some have the gift of teaching, you know, able to explain well and make complicated ideas uh, more understandable. While others, it's the opposite. They make a already clear and simple ideas complicated. May, they may have the gift of encouragement. Some have the gift of hospitality. Some have the gift of uh, building relationship. Some have the gift of teaching and so on. So the question is, what gift has God given you? Perhaps just to try to think about that, what, and perhaps pray about getting involved in what God is doing in our church. I know there are many resources available online as to how to know your gifts. You may access those, or you may try different ministry opportunities as it presents itself in the church. Volunteer. Serve in different capacities so that you can make a contribution to what God is already doing in our church. It all begins with getting plugged in and getting involved so that you can discern your spiritual gift. You will only know when you try. And we don't project what we want, but we humbly ask the Lord how and where we can best fit for the church as a whole. As someone has said, God can use ordinary people in extraordinary ways. At GCCP, we believe that serving God is our honor and our privilege. We hold volunteers accountable and we want to make sure our members are at least all believers in the Lord and are baptized. This is a way for us to ensure that those who are already serving have that relationship with the Lord. So if you are volunteering but are not giving your best, now, we don't have much of a choice but to really keep our volunteers accountable. A volunteer was applying to help in a, in a math tutorial. He said, I am fast at math. The interviewer gave him a math problem. He said, then, what's 750 times 1820? 230, answered the applying volunteer. That's not even close, said the interviewer. But it was, it was fast, said the volunteer. While we hold all our volunteers at the highest of standards, we don't expect people to be perfect. You can make mistakes, and that is okay, and we will continue to try again and do our best for the Lord. Verses 28 to 30 list some of the spiritual gifts that God gives to believers, including apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, healings, and various kinds of tongues. I'm sure... These are not all the gifts given. There are a lot more gifts mentioned elsewhere in the Bible. And there are also countless debates about the gifts mentioned here. But we are not here to discuss all these issues concerning the spiritual gifts. What is being emphasized here is the diversity and uniqueness of spiritual gifts that are given to all believers by the Holy Spirit and how we ought to use those gifts for God's glory. 
if you are a believer, you have a gift to use and you have the church as the avenue for you to serve God using that gift. What is encouraging at our church is the variety of volunteers serving out of, out of a heart of love for the Lord and for His people. Many are bosses in their own companies or managers or owners, yet when they serve at the church, they serve with a willing heart, with a smile, many times doing things that are hard and difficult, but they do it anyways because of their love for the Lord. I remember our greeters who stand outside at times, their makeups already melt because of the heat, but they still serve willingly with a smile. Same with our ushers. Even if you don't smile back, they smile and they will still welcome and accommodate you. And our various volunteers who are willing to walk from afar just to give others the blessing of parking closer to our church gate. Those are contributions to our church community and it is encouraging. I remember one Sunday I was wearing my blue barong. That was my sort of Sunday uh, uniform before. I was wearing that. I was also wearing my staff ID. I was standing at the church entrance gate, welcoming people as they come in with a happy smile, of course, when suddenly a car slowed down in front of me, rolled down his window. I thought the driver was going to greet me and say, hello, good morning. When I bent and leaned forward to greet the driver, he looked at me and said, Kuya, where is the parking? I was shocked. Many thoughts started to run through my mind during that time. But of course, we serve with a happy heart and a servant spirit, so it's okay. I politely gave directions to the parking area. Yes, serving can be hard, but it is our privilege to serve the Lord. And as a famous store slogan says, we are happy to serve. Not only those who stand by the door or by the gate, but also our teachers, the singers who spent countless hours and they come in very early in the morning on a Sunday to serve. Our church is blessed with hundreds of volunteers who serve well, even the background team, the lights, the sound, the tech, and so on. Even our leaders, our elders, the deacons of our church whose wisdom and skills and personalities contribute to the great church culture that we have today. It is good to be involved and to serve the Lord in any capacity. Even the unseen prayer warriors of our church or our encouragers, do those who encourage our young people who sing in Chinese, those are big church boosters in our church community. When we look at all these, indeed, we are blessed by God as a church. And for those of you who aren't plugged in yet or are serving, my question to you is, what hinders you from doing so? As someone said, the best time to serve is always now. Don't wait for the perfect moment or opportunity. Start where you are with what you have and make a difference. The best time to serve is always now, for the present moment is where we have the power to make a difference. Don't wait for tomorrow, because tomorrow may not come. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Romans 12, 2, Offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your spiritual act of service. Look at verse 31. Paul encourages us to eagerly desire the best gifts. Isn't it odd 
that after discussing variety and value of each member and how it is God who determined which gifts we receive, that now the Apostle Paul would push us to become ambitious with our gifts. What are the best gifts? There are no best gifts or greater gifts per se if you base it on in, in its intrinsic value, but the get best gifts that you can desire and offer to the Lord and the church, I would say, are those service or ministries done out of love for God, which according to the Apostle Paul is the more excellent way. Service that benefits others and promote the growth and edification of the church community. The best gift is one that is used to serve and uplift others in the community of believers. So any gift you have that you are using for the benefit of others in the church community, that's the best gift. And that is what we should be passionate about. Let us be passionate about serving in love. Aim for a service that will help build the church, that will promote unity, that will disciple others, that will help the growth of the church and its people. Those that will contribute to such, that is what we should desire after. What gift has God given you? Let's serve harder. Let's serve better in our church. Not so that people will praise us, but for the edification of others, the growth of the church, and the discipling of many more people for our Lord Jesus Christ. Love and care for others by serving passionately and supporting one another for God's glory and for the people's edification. As I close, a carpenter's tools were having a conference. Brother Hammer was presiding, but the others informed him that he'd had to leave because he was too noisy. All right, he said, I'll go, but Brother Plain must withdraw too. There's no depth to his work. It's always on the surface. Brother Plain responded, Well, Brother Rule will also have to go as well. He's constantly measuring people as if he were the only one who's right. Brother Rule then complained about Brother Sandpaper, saying he's rougher than he ought to be. He's very abrasive, and he always rubs people the wrong way. Brother Sandpaper was annoyed by Brother Saw, claiming that he had a very sharp and cutting personality. Brother Saw leveled his criticism at Brother Level, saying that he always tends to blame others for being crooked and unbalanced. Brother Level had a major problem with Brother Handrill, accusing him of coming along and sticking his long, penetrating nose into other people's business. In the midst of this bitter discussion, the carpenter of Nazareth walked in. He spoke sternly to all the tools, rebuked them, and told them to hold their peace. He shared with them that every one of them had a purpose and that they were uniquely made to fulfill that purpose. He told them that each one of them was important and had a special job to do. The carpenter told them he needed every one of them in order to do his work. He then went to his workbench to make a pulpit from which to preach the gospel. He used the hammer, the plane, the rule, the sandpaper, the saw, the level, and the hand drill. Not one tool was untouched or unused. After the pulpit was finished, Brother Rule arose and said, I see now that all of us are laborers together with God. 
Friends, when we allow ourselves to be used by the master carpenter, he is able to do something beautiful and amazing with the unique gifts, talents, and personalities he has designed us with. There is no such thing as an unemployed Christian in the church. We all have something to contribute and, um, and we all need each other to accomplish the work God has for us. Like the famous slogan, all for one, one for all. Remember, we are many members but all belong to one body. All of us for one glory of God and each one of us for the building up of His church. So if you want to contribute, remember, number one, understand that God called us to belong to the body of Christ and to participate actively in the life of the church. Number two, recognize and appreciate that every member of the church body is valuable regardless of their roles and their gifts. And number three, love and care for others by serving passionately and supporting one another for God's glory and for the people's edification. Friends, God's call for us today is to join Him in what He is doing in and through the church. He has given us the opportunity to participate and to contribute. How are we going to respond? Let us pray. Our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we come before you today. We thank you. We are grateful for the diversity within the body of Christ. We thank you for the unique gifts and talents that each member brings and for the way that we work together to build up your kingdom. Help us, O Lord, to recognize and appreciate the value of every member of the body and to work together in harmony and in love. Guide us and give us wisdom as we seek to serve and to use our gifts and talents to serve you and to build up the body of Christ. May we always be mindful of your presence with us and may we bring glory to your name in all that we do. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.